0: Hey, welcome back to Crested in the Afternoon. I'm Marcus Peter filling in for Cresta in this second half of the program for this afternoon's show. I am about to interview Shane Kapler, who is the author of the Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture, and James, Jewish Roots, Catholic Fruits. Shane has spent many years working in evangelism and catechesis within the Archdiocese of St. Louis. His previously published works include the Epistle of the Hebrews and the Seven Core Beliefs of Catholics, marrying the Rosary to the Divine Mercy Chaplet and through, with, and in him. Now... As I'm looking at Shane's book, I have to admit I, I, I'd already known about this book before this inter- interview. But r- taking another look at it, a more concentrated look at it, I, I want to urge everyone to purchase a copy of it. The name of the book is The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture. And we're going to have this in the link of the program in the archives. Shane, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic. I'm so honored to be speaking with you.
0: Likewise, likewise, I, I, like I said, I knew of your book uh, long before this interview happened, and, and I remember read, uh, looking at it and then reading it thinking, gosh, he beat me to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this will be an exciting conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a convert to the faith, and uh, well, a reaver to the faith, and Scripture was what brought me home, particularly the Immaculate Conception. But we're here to talk about your, your, your insights in Marian consecration. So, number one, Let's start with, why, of all things, Marian conversation from a biblical perspective? Why was that important to you?
1: Well, because for myself, um, early in life, I struggled with Marian devotion of any sort, and the Lord was able to overcome those hurdles for me. And as I started living my life as a Catholic, and then I started to hear about Marian consecration, and that sounded like it was one step too far when it came to Marian devotion.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I wanted to learn more about that. And um, so we're going back about 15 years, even 20 years when I initially started looking. And it was the way the Lord overcame those hurdles for me, explaining well, what do we mean by consecration when we're talking about in relationship to Mary mm-hmm. and, um, and the Lord opened my eyes through great teachers like John Paul II, um, that this really is rooted in the apostolic life of the Church, and we do find its roots right there in Scripture. Because that was my main objection, that I didn't know where I could locate this idea of consecration to Mary in the apostolic tradition of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, when we really put our minds to it and the Holy Spirit illuminates them, then we can see it.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, I'm going to start with a very common Protestant objection that I used to levy against Catholics. uh, Very, very poorly done. I didn't know what I didn't know. But I used to levy Romans 3.23 against Catholics. You know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you Catholics claim that Mary is sinless. And clearly that's not biblical. But your book proves that it clearly is. So where do we begin with that?
1: Well, with the Romans tweet, I'm sorry, with the Romans three twenty three, where I like to begin is pointing out that contextually, Paul is trying to make the distinction. Well, he's trying to put it in people's minds that um, all refers to Jew and Gentile. That is the context of, of Paul saying that all have sinned mm-hmm. and fallen short of the glory of God. He's pointing out that the Jews are no better in no better of a position, even though they have the law. Than the Gentiles who do not have the law, they are still in need of a Savior, and He comes to them through the gift of faith, and His grace infused into them. So that's the context. He's not; Paul doesn't have um, the the common Protestant thought when they're quoting that against Mary in his mind. It, it just it, it has no place with that verse. Um, but the other thing is you as you said, the Immaculate Conception is something that scripturally brought you to the church. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that Mary, from the first instant of her conception, in view of the merits of her son, who we all know is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, his sacrifice cuts through time, Mm -hmm. and can touch those in the past as well as in the future, and terrify them, that Mary, in virtue of of Christ being born of her it was preserved free from that stain of original sin right. that we all contract, and so she is saved. She has a Savior, as she says in the Magnificat. Mm-hmm. That Savior is her Son. Now, this idea—gosh, would God purify someone, you know, at conception? Well, scripturally speaking, we know He purifies people in utero. Yep, John the Baptist—you mm-hmm. know, will be filled with the Holy Spirit from your mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Or the prophet Jeremiah God says before you were formed I knew you and in your mother's womb I consecrated you yep. a prophet to the nations so if God could do that for them in the wombs of their mother why do we have such a hard idea thinking that he would do that for Mary just a couple months earlier at the moment of conception
0: right A because you know, God being omnip- omnipresent and being outside of time but also B um, on, on, on a rather important note which you point out the ark that bears the images in, in the Old Testament uh, mm-hmm. of Christ had to be pure, and it was so pure that it couldn't even be touched. And and here we would deign to think that the New Testament ark, which is a significant, if not infinite, elevation to the Old Testament ark, could be anywhere defiled. It, it, it just doesn't make any logical biblical sense. Exactly. And, Marcus, what I realized is that I so much of the
1: time I was coming at that from the wrong direction. I was thinking, oh, well, you know, because the Ark was pure and and completely holy, then Mary has to be. No, Mary is the reality. Mm -hmm. The Ark was just a foreshadowing. The reason that the Ark had to be ultimately pure and holy in the, you know, the highest cultic element in Judaism was because it foreshadowed
0: her. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we, we have to come at it from the right direction. Absolutely. And you spent over 100 pages, the first entire part of this book, focusing on the purity of the heart of Mary. And and, uh, for for those of you listening, we are looking at Shane's latest book, Shane Kaplan's latest book, The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, published by Tan Books. So Shane, why was it so important that of all the elements of Mary, we had to zoom in first and foremost to the reality of her immaculate heart?
1: Marcus, I, because I feel that that is what the Lord has done himself, mm. especially in apparitions such as Fatima, which has a significance for the entire world and continues to today. There, Jesus really draws our eyes to his mother's heart, and he, he wants us to recognize that this heart, when we say heart, biblically speaking, we're talking about the, the complete person, they're very depth, they're mm-hmm. core. And so in, in Scripture, it's the heart where we decide. It's the heart where we right, right, choose right. sin or
0: choose God. And, and this loves. is, uh, just to interject real quick, and this, is sta- this stands mm-hmm. in stark contradiction to what we think, where the heart is the seat of emotions. No, the, in Scripture, right. the heart is the seat of the person.
1: Exactly, exactly. The seat of the intellect, and it's, the heart is where God dwells. Mm-hmm. And so by focusing upon Mary's immaculate heart what we're being called to is to enter into her interior life with Jesus. So at Fatima, when it talks about Mary's Immaculate Heart being a means to save people from hell, what we're really talking about there is if we take on that heart of Mary, that Immaculate Heart that completely surrenders herself to God, Mm -hmm. allows the Holy Spirit to overshadow her and form Christ within her, that is the life that saves souls from hell. Amen. And and that is the heart of the Fatima message right there.
0: Amen. And in page thirty six of your book, we're still in part one here. Uh, you do this very reverential nod to Saint Joseph, and, and you mention how this was that man who exemplified that which he saw in Mary's immaculate heart and Christ's sacred heart. If I may quote mm-hmm. from uh, from your own words, Joseph in his union with his beloved Mary, did everything to protect and nourish the life entrusted to them. And if I if I can go a couple of sentences before, as Mary entrusted Jesus into his arms and Joseph gazed into the tiny face, he discovered the sole purpose of his life, to pour himself out in love for this precious child and his mother. Now, why does that matter to us? I mean, ob- obviously it does. Please but pardon the silliness of the question, but please help us understand why does that matter to us?
1: Well, okay, if we want to, Talk about where's this idea of Mary and consecration? And where's that in scripture? Let me say consecration, ultimately, a person can only be consecrated to God. Mm-hmm. Consecrated means made holy, handed over to God who is all holy, completely other. When we talk about consecration to Mary, we mean entrusting ourselves to her, entrusting our lives as disciples to her prayer, her love, her intercession for us. And beginning to participate in her interior life with Jesus, St. Joseph, <laughs> this is the beginning of Marian consecration right mm-hmm. here. When we meet Joseph in Matthew's gospel, the first thing we're told about him is that he is he's a righteous man. He's a just man. And the, the Greek term that's used, it's someone who is completely devoted to God's law. So Joseph already has a relationship with God. And yet, he is called by God to draw nearer to him precisely by taking Mary into his home and mm-hmm. into his life, and entering into that marital covenant with her, so that in that shared life, that is how Joseph receives Christ into his life. And it's only in connection with Mary that God gives him this blessing. So he is really the, the first person that we can point to in Scripture and say, yes, yes, This is that idea of Mary consecration. Just as Joseph entrusted Mary with his whole heart, his whole life, so in doing that, he entered into this complete intimacy with Jesus and Mm -hmm. found the real reason for his life. And so that's why I think Joseph is so important here.
0: And that's absolutely wonderful. We have about a minute and a half in this segment, and we're going to continue the conversation on the other part of the break. Very briefly, just give us an exhortation about how how to seek Mary in Marian consecration in our own life.
1: In our own life, I would say um, to recognize that what we're looking to do is enter into Jesus' love for his mother to allow him to love her through us, but then also to enter into Mary's love for him, to begin to love him with her immaculate heart. And that's what this devotion is about.
0: Mm. And that's fantastic. So I want to urge all of you who are listening right now, I've been talking to Shane Kepler, author of The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture. And, uh, in light of scripture. I, it's published by 10 books. It, there's some lovely biblical apologetics here, historical apologetics. But ultimately, it's a biblical presentation of the Catholic devotion of Marian Consecration. And what we come to discover is that it is not alien, foreign, or even contrived. In fact, it exists in the very heart of Christianity from the earliest history of Christianity, the very conception and birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue this conversation with Shane on the other side of the break. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the Afternoon. Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. Marcus Peter here filling in for Al Cresta, talking to Shane Kapler. He's a friend of mine. He's the author of The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, uh, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture, published by Tan Books. Now, Shane, you know, before we continue, and we, we, we're having brilliant conversations on the biblical doctrines uh, of, of Mary, what, what we understand about Mary from Scripture, you've been busy <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost back-to-back interviews for you. I mean, you're doing Cresta today, but you've been on the Sunrise Morning Show uh, time and time again. You're writing for the Institute of Catholic Humanism. Uh, and, and I, I trust that your Marian consecration is helping you with the grace necessary to juggle all this.
1: <laughs> Most definitely. Um, and Marcus, I won't go into, um, into great detail on this, but about 15 years ago, um, it was right before I was going to experience, and I didn't know it, the greatest cross in my, in my life, that it was right before that, that the Lord really led me to, to entrust myself to Mary
0: completely,
1: mm. totally. And, um, and in retrospect, of course, I can look back at that and think, oh, yeah, of course, Lord. I mean, you were getting me ready for what was ahead. And then the rest of my life since then, um, yeah, this is, this is my relationship with Jesus. It's in it's union with his mother and i I wouldn't want it any other way,
0: Wow. <laughs> and I'm really glad you shared, uh, you shared that. And uh, that, that serves as a very short but powerful testimony for all of us who are consecrated to our Blessed Mother. Now, I'd like to continue our conversation on the concept of the New Eve. For those of you listening, mm-hmm. I want to encourage you to pick up this book, because not only is it a great resource for explaining Marian devotion from a biblical perspective, Shane does amazing apologetics work. You, you, you even draw from uh, texts that are not strictly biblical, but have some biblical... Uh, credibility, if you will. For example, first Enoch. So tell us, you know, the Proto-Evangelion, the, this whole thing about um, enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, why does that even matter to our understanding of Mary?
1: Sure. Um, well, okay. The earliest, earliest prophecy that we have a re- of a Redeemer for man is in Genesis 3, right after the fall. Mm-hmm. And the prophecy is Is given in the words, God is speaking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and hers. You will strike at his heel, but he will crush your head. Mm -hmm. Now, so the seed and the woman, they're both at enmity Mm -hmm. with Satan. And the word that's being used there, enmity, is there, it's a hatred. I mean, it can be used for warfare between people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, both, both the Messiah and his mother are completely in opposition to Satan. Right. And, um, and we know that, that God is not talking about Eve who's standing there, who has just fallen from grace. Right. He's prophesying the woman to come. Um, this idea of a new Eve, it goes along with a new humanity, that Jesus in Scripture is the new Adam. Mm-hmm. And so he comes to begin humanity anew and there with him is the new Eve. That prophecy where the, the mother of Messiah is called woman in Genesis, that's the way that Jesus refers to his mother in John's gospel, and no other way. Right. And then in John's Revelation 12, it talks about, behold, a great sign in the heavens, a woman clothed with the sun, and John sees her give birth to the Messiah. Right. And uh, so again, I mean, At the beginning of Scripture and at the end, we have this image of the woman, and it's the prophesied woman, the mother of the Messiah, who is the icon of the Church, who is also called to give birth to Christ in our lives. Um, So Mary is the highest personification of Mother Church.
0: I remember as a Protestant, Shane, just building off of what you just said, uh, one of the attacks that was levied against any Catholic uh, Marian devotion is that Christ himself disparaged his mother by putting her in her place, so to speak. (laughs) Um, In John chapter 2, you know, woman, what to you and to me, or in the Greek, you know, you're calling a Mm -hmm. woman. I can imagine calling my own mother woman and seeing what happened. What would happen to me then, right? But but clearly, something else is at play here because Christ would never disparage his mother.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, Jesus, he fulfilled the law of Moses in absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. And and so, in the law, when God says, honor your father and mother, that it may go well for you in the land that I will give you. and You may have a long life. That, I, that word, honor... The Hebrew, it's kabodah, to glorify. And so Jesus, in his divinity, is the one who gave that law to Israel, knowing that he would fulfill it perfectly in relation to his own mother when he took flesh. So exactly, he would never disparage her. Using that word woman, that there's no no record of anyone in in Greek or Hebrew literature addressing their mother like that Mm -hmm. in antiquity. Jesus, using that word, is drawing our attention to the fact that this is the woman prophesied in Genesis. Right. This is the new Eve that stands beside me as the new Adam.
0: Right. That, that same woman in Genesis 3.15 in the Septuagint, Hogune, that that title now appears, ka, ka soi gune he, he, he literally pronounces the fact that this is the new woman and this is the beginning of the messianic age and and she is there just as the first woman was there at the fall i'm sorry if you, get, you you've gotten me going here <laughs> and and oh, uh, grace <laughs> you also do this this wonderful thing of talking about how scripture's very clear it's the seed of the woman this is not some mistake yeah. The woman and her seed, the Hebrew Zerah, the Greek Spermatozoa. So uh, tell us about why that is so crucial to zoom in on, the fact that it is the woman and her seed.
1: Sure. When we look at the Old Testament, look for that term seed, and it always refers to the male contribution to mm-hmm. offspring. I mean, as you pointed out, the Greek term is Spermatozoa. Um, and so that should be clear to anyone who, who hears that fact. Right. So... But the amazing thing about it is, well, how can this be the seed of the woman? That's something that every Jewish person reading that would have to struggle with. Um, what does that mean? How can a woman have seed? And of course, it points to, it, it, gives, a, it gives us an inkling of this mystery of Christ's virginal, miraculous conception, mm-hmm. that this is something that is totally beyond the order of nature, as we understand it. Um, so, yeah, it's a great uh, a great point that we can look at.
0: I'm talking to Shane Kapler, author of The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture. So, Shane, I, I, I want to touch on one of the things that you do. You do this lovely uh, treatise, if you will, of treating the church as Holy Mother Church, Mary as Holy Mother, and the two being distinct yet intertwined entities, if you will. So help us understand that, because we call Mary Mother, we call the Church Holy Mother, and we call Mary the preeminent model of the Church. So what's going on there?
1: Yeah, well, part of this is the reality of the communion of saints that Mm -hmm. Paul speaks about so well in 1 Corinthians. All of us, well, and in Romans 12, Paul says, you are members of one another. Because we're united in Jesus, members of his one body, cells of this mystical body, we're connected to each other as well. And so um, Mary, her person, each of us is connected to her in the Holy Spirit, in the body of her Son. Mm -hmm. What Mary is, this person who allows the Son to come through her and take flesh in the world, that is the mission of the Church, each and every one of us. I love it in the Gospels when Jesus, um, the disciples come and tell him, your, your relatives are outside, your, your mother and brothers and sisters, and they want to talk to you. And Jesus, looking around, says, who are my mother and brother and sister? It's those who do the will of God. And so that mystery, not only are we called to be Christ's siblings, but we're called to take on that mystery of mother, to, to receive divine life into us, to nourish it. Through sacrament, scripture, our participation in the community, and then to allow Jesus to be born of us, to come into the world and do something powerful through your actions, our words, through our prayer. Jesus prays through his church, and that is, we see it perfectly in Mary, mm. what his grace can do in a person, and that is what each member of the church is aspiring to.
0: And this completely echoes what uh, Lumen Gentium, the Second Vatican Council, uh, says specifically about Mary and her role in salvation history, uh, that that we afford titles to Mary because of this intertwined reality between Mary and the church. She is advocate and uh, auxiliatrix. She is adjutrix and mediatrix. She holds this special place of mediatorship between us and Christ while never taking away from Christ's chief mediatorship over our lives. So so, uh, just shed some light on that.
1: Okay. Marcus, if I could, something I really feel I I need to share with uh, those listening is if we want to talk about where can we find this Marian consecration in, in Scripture, look at John 19. There at the foot of the cross, and Jesus looks down at Mary and he says, "Behold your son," and then to the beloved disciple John, "Behold your mother." And it says, from that moment, the disciple took her into his idia. That's the Greek term. Now, in English, we usually translate that as "into his home," and that's fine. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. But it literally says he took her into his own. Period. John took her into. Everything that was most personal to him into Mm -hmm. his home, but also into his interior life, his life as a disciple, as an apostle, and so John's John's life in the early church, his activity is marked by this being entrusted to Mary and sharing her interior life, praying with her three times a day as a faithful Jew, celebrating the Eucharist with her, meditating upon Christ's life in the light of Scripture. So. John, when we read his gospel and are just staggered by these insights he has into the person of Jesus, that is the fruit of Marian consecration, mm. Marian entrustment. And so, you know, when I was asking myself, well, where can I find this idea of Scripture and tradition? That's where it is. It's right there with the
0: Apostle John, and that's how it flows to the rest of the church, right, and you bring up this very uh, illuminating insight that Marian consecration brings about this 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 fantastic enlightenment, if you will, in pondering our theology, and that's why John's Christology is so wonderful he had Mary for his literal mother
1: yes yes and and john man i there, there is so much to to say, think about them celebrating the Eucharist together, what that must have been like. My, my good friend, Michael Vento, you mentioned the mm-hmm. Institute of Catholic Humanism I write for. Mm-hmm. He's the, the president of that, and he pointed this out to me years ago that, Shane, when they celebrated the Eucharist, both of them had been there at the foot of the cross. When they celebrate the Eucharist, all of this, I mean, they understand the reality mm-hmm. that is spiritually taking place here, that intensity. So, John, I mean, this is, this is why he is this powerhouse of an evangelist, um, and, and as we said, why his gospel, his Christology is so incredible.
0: Right, and, and th- that's a magnificent thing for us to ponder on, that one of the great fruits of Marian consecration is that it doesn't take away from Jesus, if anything, it leads us closer to the heart of understanding who Jesus is as the Christ, our Messiah,
1: Yes, I mean, Mary was no impediment to John's relationship with Jesus. That's obvious. The proof is in the pudding, you could say.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a fantastic place as any to end this segment. Shane, I want to thank you for your time here. This has been enlightening, illuminating, and, and deeply edifying, and we'll continue these conversations in the future. been talking yes, to Shane Kaeple- so Capel. I've been talking to Shane Kapler, author of The Biblical Roots of Marian Consecration, Devotion to the Immaculate Heart in Light of Scripture. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Alcrest and Crest in the afternoon. Please stay with us as we round off this hour.